If you're addicted to love, get ready to binge your heart out. Stream exclusive originals plus the entire 90-day universe for just $4.99. Discovery Plus is the streaming home of relationships, plus so much more. Start your free trial. This is Brew Crime, a craft beer and true crime podcast. I'm Mike. I'm Beck. And I'm Nina. And we're your hosts. We pair a true crime story with a craft beer that Nina will probably hate. Yeah, probably. Whatever. You can find our show on all your favorite podcast apps, and if you can't find it, contact us, and we'll try and change that. We can be found at brewcrime.com or on all social media platforms at brewcrime. Join us as we discuss the horrible crimes that surround us and try not to giggle. The Oracle Network. Look deeper. Due to the mature content of this program, listener discretion is advised. Thanks for tuning back into The Depth of Darkness, the podcast that dives deep into all things dark and wrong in this world. We're your hosts, I'm Mandy. And I'm retired Major Hugh Jess, coming at you in your face. As always. (laughs) As always. All right, guys, welcome back. I do want to mention that uh, for this episode, obviously, judging by the title, you know it is a bit more serious, very serious. I'm not joking about that. So we're actually going to be refraining from a lot of our added, you know, humor and commentary for the majority of this episode. Might interject things here and there where it might be appropriate. But for the most part, this is a very serious episode. It's got a lot of conflict revolving around it. And due to its morbid nature, the morbid nature of this case, we want to show as much respect as possible. And... As all of you know, I have very, very strong and negative opinions towards people who harm children. I beat that dead horse like crazy. I really do. But rightfully so. People should never harm a child in any way. And that's especially true for the abusers that we'll be discussing today. So we're going to be giving you both sides of the story. And that story, we're going to refer to it as the Hampstead sex cult or the Hampstead satanic sex cult. We're going to be giving you both sides of the story with this case because many people are still torn on which side is the actual truth. So that's why I mentioned there's a lot of conflict behind this. And I'll be honest, I'd be lying if I said I knew which was the truth. There's still so much questions unanswered, and you guys will soon know what I'm referring to. But with that said, we're going to first discuss the accusations regarding this cult, and then we'll go over the accuser's side. So the people who are being accused, as well as the accusers. And honestly, there's damning evidence for both sides. (laughs) That's why it's so hard to decide which one could be real and which one isn't. Regardless which is the actual truth, 
a lot of us, there's not enough proof to say either way. It's still kind of unknown. Either way you cut it, both sides involve horrific acts against children. So whether it was one or the other, whichever one was the truth, both were bad. One might have been worse than the other, but they both were horrific. So keep that in yeah. mind. This case is just bad all in all. So now many of you know that satanic cults have and do, they do still exist, even if they are under the radar. Today, we're going to be diving deep into a supposed satanic sex cult, which was based out of Hampstead, England, uh, in the early 2000s, mid-2000s, around 2014 is when this case kind of came to light. And a lot of the specifics of the case and the, vel the validity of the cult itself, it's still unknown. So as I mentioned, it's not been confirmed if it is an actual cult or if it's just suspected and kind of hearsay. So I really highly recommend you guys going into this, keep an, keep an open mind and try to decide for yourselves whether or not you think the actions described actually took place, or if instead the children involved, the children that you're going to be hearing in these interviews and the ones that this case is revolved around, decide if what they said was true or if they were coached to say these things. So to start things off, let's go over the people involved in this case, starting with the children. There was a young boy named Gabriel Dearman, he was eight years old at the time, and his nine-year-old sister, Elisa. They were seen in numerous videos surfacing online. I've seen the videos and will include sound clips in this episode for you guys to listen to in the links below, where they recounted these horrific and gruesome acts performed, supposedly, by their father, Ricky Dearman, along with his alleged sex satanic cult that was based out of the children's primary school in Hampstead, England. Gabriel and Elisa's parents, uh, their father, Ricky Dearman, the accused, he was English born. Their mother, she was Russian-born. Her name was Ella Gariva, and also you might see in some articles Ella Draper, because that was her first husband's name. They were separated due to alleged sexual deviancy and abuse and violence projected by Ricky onto both her as well as the kids. There is proof out there that says Ricky might have not been the nicest to Ella while they were married. Whether or not the actual extent of that violence or abuse is fact that's kind of left up for debate. But after the parents' separation, Ricky was known to basically stalk the children, so Gabriel and Elisa, as well as Ella, so his ex-wife, and he would make unannounced visits to their home and demanding to see the children. And again, this was after their separation. At other times, he would show up at their school to pay them a visit, unannounced. That's, I mean, he's their father, so obviously he wants to see them, but the way it was coming off was stalker-like and somewhat possessive strange, yeah. and yeah strange so it's not looking good for ricky at this point in time uh when the stalking became too much ella proceeded to file an emergency court order and a quote-unquote non-molestation order in an attempt to protect the children so gabriel and elisa from ricky dearman the order unfortunately only lasted for a maximum of eight months so it wasn't a very long-lived order so that kind of puts in your mind maybe what was being alleged against Ricky wasn't actual. Fa it wasn't actually factual at that time. Maybe he wasn't really doing all the stalking that Ella, the mother, s said that he did. Hmm. Um, but after the orders expired, so after the eight months passed, Ella sent Elisa to Russia to stay with her parents because, again, she was Russian-born. And this was an attempt to try and keep Elisa out of harm's way, to keep her basically separated further from her father. 
I didn't see anything saying that Elisa and Gabriel were both sent there. So honestly, I don't know why she didn't send both kids for whatever reason. But it was noted in the interviews that Ella, that Ella did, in fact, send Elisa to Russia, at least. Ricky Dearman counteracted that restraining order that Ella put against him by filing suit for a dual custody contract. Since he felt he had equal rights, obviously he's her father, or their father, he's the father, and he had equal rights to see his kids just as much as she did. And unfortunately to Ella, the court actually granted approval of his contract, allowing Ricky to see the children on a regular basis. So it started off with every Saturday from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Things started getting kind of bad from then on after this uh, dual custody was put in place. Ella had mentioned how the dual custody was not going well and that when Ricky was watching the kids, he would oftentimes return them home much later than that 6 p.m. curfew, if you want to call it that. And many times he would feed the kids really unhealthy food or junk food, at least in Ella's eyes. She had them on a very strict whole foods and vegan diet, so very, very healthy, very clean foods. Even if the kids probably had like a piece of white bread or pizza, that was deemed uncalled for. So it might have been possessive in her case that he might have not even been feeding them horrible foods, but ones that she deemed unacceptable. So both sides of the story, both parents have their issues. That's how we're looking at it, you know, on the outside in. So according to Ella, Gabriel and Elisa were often sick after staying with their father and would oftentimes vomit and have, you know, persistent headaches and stomach aches. So Ella assumed, oh, this could be because of the food that Ricky was feeding them. So maybe because obviously they were used to that real strict whole vegan diet. The ongoing bouts of sickness were just the beginning, though. Ella had began dating a man named Abraham Christie. Remember that name. And from there, the darkness of this case really started to take shape. On one occasion, Abraham Christie, the mother's boyfriend, he apparently caught the children sexually touching themselves as well as fondling one of their pet dogs. And this led Abraham to begin interrogating the kids, almost aggressively even. In many of the interviews, besides the ones with uh, the police and the agents, Abraham himself was the one interrogating these kids and almost yelling at them to get them to say certain things. And he would proceed video recording the kids talking about horrific events, including child abuse, sexual abuse, ritualistic sacrifice of babies, and, and even cannibalism. And apparently that's that all took place in their school. And it was called the Christchurch Primary School in Hampstead. And this was under the leadership, apparently, this cult was under the leadership of their father, Ricky. So this was all the things that these kids were saying on videotape while Abraham Christie, the boyfriend of their mother, was interrogating them. And again, we're going to be playing a bunch of different sound clips from their interviews. So you guys will get a hefty dose of how they were interrogated and the things they were saying. And they're pretty They're horrifying, to say the least. But the accusations against their father led a lot of people to believe that he was the head leader of some sort of satanic cult based out of their school. And all of these diabolical acts that seemed horrifying and so evil that, I mean, nobody would want to commit these. But basically, these were things that Gabriel and Elisa had apparently witnessed, and it brought on a lot of concern. So now we're going to play a few short clips of both Gabriel and Elisa, where they recount some of the supposed abuse they faced while under their father's care. What you are about to hear is extremely shocking and is meant for mature audiences only. So I do want to give that disclaimer. If you guys are in the car or if you're in the room and your kids can hear this, please put headphones in because you do not want them to hear this grotesque 
recounting of abuse. Whether or not, again, this is fictional or fact, you don't want your kids hearing this. This cult is because when we, the first time whenever we ever did, done it. Did what? First like we, first ever we saw Papa kill a baby and me and, and, and we and Gabriel done. He's the boss of what? Of the whole, whole thing. Of the what? Boss of what? Of the whole cult. The whole, the whole Peter Fowl ring. And what, what do they do in this cult? They do sex there. They kill babies. Sex to who? They do sex to children. They do to every, each other. Each other. And what are the babies for? What do you get the, the babies? The babies, we see the social services to do it, unfortunately. They get the babies from families who can't, can't look after the baby and who don't want the baby. Really? Yes. Social Sometimes, services, I find that difficult to believe. Yes. What then Richie, Richie who? Richie who? Richie, I don't know his surname, but it's Richie. His the name ones is... who came to our house. He's your particular social, he's your social service, he's your worker that helps Yes, you. and Ella, the other lady who first time, one, yes, she came to our house in 47 Lynn, so 47 Holycroft Avenue. One second, one second. And, and, and then the social services, they get babies from other families, so like, so if the family can't afford a baby, so if they've got a baby but they can't look after it or anything like that, so... If you get a baby, um, they give the, Who do they give the baby to? Do they sell the baby they, or just they give them? They don't just give them, they sell it because they can't really... They sometimes give, but they don't like just give it like... Just give it like borrow, like for like, like a rent. They give it away because sometimes families are just poor. So like in like in uh, Tanja, there are people who uh, who had bay children and they were really poor. They could afford food for them. So if the families not can't doesn't have money and they got a baby, they sometimes sell do it. They eat it, do sex How first. How do they eat the baby? They cut. Alive? Is the baby alive? No, they inject it to make it go to sleep. And, and then? And then after, Papa tells us to hold a knife and then he puts his big hand on, he puts it, pushes the, it into the neck, cuts it. And after, but when it's upside down, so it's like, he goes like So how does the baby become upside down? So you get a string, hang it up, and it's upside down when it's asleep. Well, hang the baby upside down after they inject it? Yes. Miss Margin, the nurse, she Miss Margin? Miss Margin is a nurse of our school. She does the injecting. She does, she pretends to be kind to my mom and tries to like say be kind. And then after she just she injects. She's a nurse, so she pretends to be kind to mom. And she just she so if me and Gabe, if I hurt myself, she pretends to be like really kind to us and like look after us. She's a member of this cult? Yes. She's a and what do they all have? You say they all have a special something that they wear and something. Yes, they wear this but they wear this uh, special kind of shoes. They make out what shoes? What special shoes, kind of shoes? Baby skin shoes. Big church and we use it for sex, eating baby, drinking baby's blood. We kill, we sacrifice the baby, we do sex to the baby, we throw the, when we're dancing with the skulls after the babies are dead. What skulls? What skulls? The baby skulls. We from put, before? Yeah, from before. We put it on. Where do the baby skulls come from? They come from the baby. How do you get them from the baby? We cut the baby's head off, We um, then we kill the meat from the skulls. And then we um, put all the meat and cook it, sometimes we roast it, sometimes we roast it in the oven, sometimes we cook it on a fire. You, you told me that some restaurants 
Yeah, and there's a restaurant, McDonald's in Hampstead, and East Finchley, and East Finchley is a, is a East Finchley is a swimming pool, and in the East Finchley there's a swimming pool, and the whole, um, whole the whole East Finchley does it. The boss does it. Everybody does it. But what? So from what you heard, you can tell how horrible the accusations against Ricky Dearman were. The horrors that Gabriel and Elisa mentioned are things that no child, and I mean no child ever, should ever know even exists. And yet here we are. They're disclosing acts of abuse, ritual sacrifice, and in extremely vivid detail. And if you guys click on those links down below and actually watch the videos, the kids stick to their story the whole time and they recount it with such accuracy. Each time they're in an interrogation with the cops or an investigator, they stay to their story and no, no bit of detail changes. So that's what led a lot of people to think this has to be real, you know? Mm-hmm. So in September 2014, Ella Garita, the mother, provided the video footage to the Barnett Police Department, which then opened up the case and began the investigation to see whether or not this supposed cult led by their father was, actual, was actually going on. They wanted to get to the bottom of it and quickly. Uh, in the meantime, both the kids were interviewed separately as a means to hear both of their stories and experiences. And from the audio played, you can hear both Gabriel and Elisa's experiences and how throughout the interrogation, they stick to their story. So as I mentioned, not one piece of information changed in any of the videos that were taken by Abraham Christie or even by the uh, interrogators themselves. Yeah. Yeah. So after the interrogations through the police, a medical examination was actually ordered. Obviously, they wanted to see if these uh, recounts of sexual abuse were, you know, actually fact. And so the medical exam was performed and it concluded that both the kids unfortunately had in fact been sexually abused with severe tearing and injuries to the inside of their rectum, both of the kids. So it shows that there was some sort of sexual abuse performed on these kids, whether it was from the boyfriend of the mother or if it was from their actual father and some sort of sex cult. That's what we don't know yet. On September 11th, 2014, both Gabriel and Elisa were taken into protective custody. Thank God. (laughs) Get them away from both of the parents. In this case, it's not good either way you look at it. But on September 17th, so just six days later, their mother Ella was notified by the police that both the children had retracted their statements and claims of abuse against their father. So everything about the cult, everything that they said that their father had done to them or made them do, while under their under his care and all those other people involved they were saying that that was all false that they were forced to say all of that by ella's boyfriend abraham and that he abraham christie was actually the person who was the actual abuser he had coached them to say these horrible things for whatever reason whether it was jealousy of ricky dearman if he was jealous of that of him for whatever reason yeah i would think the boyfriend uh that's taking it's taking quite a risk to say stuff like that against the natural father, you know, he could yeah. have been ball batted to death for that. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I gotta tell you. I mean, I do lean a certain way, and I'll I'll mention my own opinion at the end here. My opinion actually changed. I'll just say that because after looking at all the sides of the story, getting all of the data, that's all we can really do without concrete scientific evidence saying this is the person who did it. You know, so I will mention who I think is the one at fault and i'll give you my reasoning why but again go go in this with an open mind everybody decide what you think is fact because we're not here to spread lies we're just giving you all of the facts the whole story 
and then you can decide for yourself what you think is fact. So that being said, the Barnett Police Department proceeded to close the case solely based on the traction of those claims. So again, they stopped investigating the church and the school that the kids were at based on the fact that these details about the location were false. So with that being said, they never found any of the information. So the kids mentioned when they had slaughtered a baby, there was a bowl that caught the blood and a little uh, chalice that they would drink out of. None of that was found on the site. There was no DNA of that on the site. And you would think even the most pristine people in the world, like murderers in the world, there's always a little bit of trace DNA left behind, no matter how hard you try. There will always be a little bit of DNA. And forensics will find it eventually, sooner or later. Might be years down the road, but they'll find it. And based on that, based on one, the kid's retraction, and two, no physical DNA, no evidence, nothing at the site where these supposed cannibalism acts, slaughtering of babies, and molestations, where those supposedly occurred, there was no proof of it. They were literally going off of, you know, baseless claims. They were going off of nothing, really, just the kid's hearsay. But despite closing the case, there has been much, and I mean much, speculation on whether or not the case was closed prematurely and without proper investigating. And there was a witness statement that was placed by retired police constable referred to as, quote unquote, K. Wilson. So obviously he wanted to protect his identity for obvious reasons, where he gives his opinion on the case and why it should be looked into further. I'll read that statement filed by Wilson. Uh, quote, to state categorically that the children had been coached, which had been written on the crime report, which I understand is the assertion from social services, is simply not feasible. Some investigation has not been conducted into proving or disproving. However, most appear to be slanted towards the merely disapproving that the offenses occurred. This investigation does not look at the fact that the children are giving accounts of abuse and how they came to use such language other than to suggest Mr. Christie coached the children. Other named suspects mm -hmm. who are professionals were not formally interviewed. Investigators should not make assumptions that due to the unlikely or seemingly ridiculous nature of the allegation that it is untrue. If an account appears to be untrue, corroboration should be sought for this also. I do not feel it was suitable to close this investigation at this point without further inquiries and corroboration being sought. He pointed out some really good points. <laughs> so, and this is, this is what, you know, makes it so confusing regarding this case. I agree with him wholeheartedly. Yes, it should be investigated further, and it should have been investigated further at that time. Well, with, with the events of the day now, with the whole Epstein uh, mm -hmm. case, and, you know, uh, there's, there's rumors of, you know, babies being sacrificed and everything else with that. Mm. And, yeah. Uh, so it's not out of the total realm of possibility. Exactly. That all yeah. that happened just as it was reported by the kids. So. Right. And that's what he said, where, you know, even if it's extremely ridiculous and nature. Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Every day grab and go. Every day giftable. Every day fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification. And they're satisfying to scratch, no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. 
Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 3.21. If it sounds completely untrue, it doesn't make it untrue. Could very well be fact. As you can tell from this response, and he was a first-hand account, you know, he was he was actually there during the, the investigating of this. He was a retired constable who was involved in this case. And he even says that it was clearly prematurely closed. And I agree with that. There should have been more detailed investigation put through. There should have been more follow-up with the accused. So whether it was people from the school, other kids. But a lot of the kids, actually, they did investigate some of the other kids who were apparently abused as well. And there was no signs of abuse or sexual abuse on those children. So that leads you to believe, why were these kids throwing out names of kids at their school? And then upon the cops investigating it, there was not one sign of sexual abuse on these kids. Right. So just some something to ponder. (laughs) Uh, Throughout the beginning of and through the closure of the investigation, both Gabriel and Elisa were placed in custody of Child Welfare Services. So they were taken out of that harm's way. So whether it was the mom and her boyfriend coaching the kids to say something about their father in hopes to get full custody, or if it was actually Ricky Dearman doing the abuse, they were out of they were out of both sides of those harm. You know, the harm of either side, either side, yeah. whichever one's true. Yeah. But between September and December of 2014, there were three court hearings held where both Ricky and Ella fought the case and both held their ground on each of their sides of the story. Ultimately, due to the retracting of the kids' initial abuse claims and the fact that a lot of what they were claiming seemed fabricated and outlandish, keep that in mind, though, just because it sounds outlandish doesn't mean it's false. Uh, The court decided in favor of Ricky. The court released the kids to him, and they've actually been with him since then. They're still with him to this day. And... The status of Gabriel and Elisa remained hidden and off the grid for many, many years until a commercial, believe it or not, a commercial for eBay, of all things. It circulated actually showing Dearman with Elisa and Gabriel, and they were much older, but you can clearly tell it's Ricky Dearman and it's the two kids. They're just a little bit older. Still look exactly the same, though. And they all appear happy. They appear healthy. But again, is that just for show? Are they wearing makeup to cover any bruises? Are they, you know... You don't know. But to add insult to injury and to try and prove her innocence, you know, she had lost her kids. Her kids are no longer allowed to see her. Uh, she wanted to prove that, no, she she was right. Ricky Dearman is an abuser. He's a head of a satan- satanic sex cult in Hampstead. Ella, the mother, went to take a polygraph test and she had it videotaped. So it would prove her innocence. And she actually passed it. Now... <laughs> We know a lot of people have the ability to pass these tests, so we can't really go off of that and say, oh, okay, so she is right. Ricky Dearman is a Satanist abuser. You know, how dare the court release the kids to him? But at the same time, I mean, it does seem outlandish. Why would a mother go that far out of her way to claim that her ex-husband was a leader of some sort of cult who abused her kids? I, I, I don't know. I know there's a lot of crazy women out there, but in my mind, logically, I don't know why a mother would do that. But then again, I'm not that type of mom. Right. <laughs> I'm not psychotic like that, so I don't know. But, I mean, in all of her interviews, she seemed very put together, very organized, very normal for the most part. (laughs) But then again, people can be very deceiving. So another thing to keep in mind, we include all the links, the interviews with Ella, as well as the interviews with Ricky Dearman down below. You guys should watch both those videos so you can see their body language. They both 
pose themselves very well. And that's what makes it so aggravating. You can't tell who's lying, <laughs> um, at least on my end. A lot of people say she's lying based on her body language. And there's a, lo a lot of people who say he's lying. So it's really kind of in our own minds what we think is yeah. real or not. Some people think they both are guilty and should face the music. To some extent, yeah, they probably both are somewhat guilty. <laughs> mm. um, but many people around the world are still fighting for this case to be reopened and further investigating to take place. But at this point in time, it seems that all the allegations have been dropped. And that's to a lot of people's dismay, for lack of better terms. And both sides needed to be looked into further. That's all I have to say. Both sides needed to be investigated and looked into further to to conclude which side was the actual abuser. We still don't know the actual abuser. There's he said, she said, and oh, this, this wasn't here, so this is false. But we still don't know because the investigation was closed so prematurely. We don't have enough evidence either way. Yeah. But whether or not the allegations of the ritualistic sex abuse, slaughtering of babies and cannibalism were real or fictional, it may remain a mystery for many, many years to come. If they do decide to reopen this case, then and then at that point only, may, we may be able to know. We may. But all we can do at this point is take the evidence. Again, we want to give you both sides that's available to us. It's all through the videos that were recorded and the accounts that were spoken up about the case and interviews, everything. And then you can kind of come to your own conclusion. But I have to say that the saddest part of this case is that both the kids' stories remained unchanged and completely the same. They knew it verbatim throughout all of the videos and investigative interviews. In, in one of those videos, which again, linked below, check it out. It's a very long one. It's like two or three hours long. But if you listen to it till the end, it seems like the investigator was almost prompting Gabriel and Elisa saying they were lying like he was saying oh you're lying why would you know he didn't come out and say it like that but he was ba basically making them feel like they were lying and so that at that point that's when they recounted their stories and they were like oh well no it was just a lie you know i did that because abraham christie coached me he, he told me to do it they would abuse us and you know we've seen this so many times where there's false confessions due to the persuasive implications that the investigator probes the interviewees with there's so there's even shows on netflix about it <laughs> where it's recorded video of you know an interrogation going down and these investigators just they won't let the people leave until they answer the way that the yeah. investigator wants them to answer people who usually they say people who are involved in big cults like this or even you know, where they have a school involved and people higher up, politicians, things of that sort. That's what they were saying about this Hampstead sex cult is that there was a lot of people within the government, the local government in Hampstead, the school that the kids attended, parents, even other kids. There were so many people involved that it's not outlandish to say that, oh, maybe the cops were involved, too. Maybe they're, you know, trying to hush hush it, you know, throw it under the rug. One thing I will say, though, the Dearman guy... Mm -hmm. If he's a real father, <laughs> a real father, mm -hmm. uh, and the other guy was making that stuff up about him, using his kids mm -hmm. as props, I, I think that yeah. the real truth would come out because he would have killed that guy. You know, he would have killed yeah. that boyfriend to, you know, just, uh, he would have snapped. That's what you'd think. He would have snapped. you know, maybe he's more passive. I don't know. I don't know. know. <laughs> when it comes to your kids, you uh. don't really... Yeah. Oh, I'm very protective no, of my kids. I would not. And so are fathers. Let somebody. You know, fathers are protective of their kids. And uh, yeah, I just I can't see the guy that Christie guy making this up 
and surviving. Mm -hmm. I just can't see that. Yeah, but where I was going with that was, you know, the more powerful people are, the more things are likely to get swept under the rug. And unfortunately, it seems like that could have been the case with this. Maybe the cops were trying to persuade the kids to say that they were lying and recount their claims originally because maybe they were involved in it. But again, that's just some people's speculation. That's just what people are assuming because it was closed so prematurely. And we still don't know if this cult even ever existed. It's basically solely on what the kids were saying. The things that the kids spoke about that apparently occurred within the cult are not only mortifying, but they are with such detail and vivid explanations that it makes it hard to believe that those accusations were simply coached by the mom's boyfriend, especially since there was previous abuse inflicted by Dearman, apparently, before he and Ella Gariva had separated. But we're now going to play a quick clip from an interview between Ricky Dearman and BBC, and I want you to really listen to what he says in this clip. And, I mean, really let it simmer. It was 2014, um, September, and... Um... I, I, I can't remember how, but I, I found out that the police were looking for me. Um, it might have been social services got in touch with me and, 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 uh, and said that you need to go to the police station and, and, I'm, and the children have been taken away from your mom. And I'm saying, why? Why have they been taken away from the mom? What, what's going on? And they wouldn't tell me anything. And I was kind of freaking out a little bit. What did the police say to you that you'd been accused of? They'd said, I'm okay with what they said. It was, um, it was, um, it's more that it had come from my children. Uh, they'd said, um, I, uh, I'm the leader of a satanic, uh, satanic sex cult, uh, paedophile ring. And there's 100 and plus uh, involvement in this, including CathCast, the police, uh, social services, uh, the s school, um, and, and I'm the I'm the leader of this. Well, what was your reaction? I mean, did did well, you... it's difficult to have a, a a reaction because it's I was all kind of okay because it's just ludicrous. Yes, it was the fact that my children had said this. Mm. And what else had they? apparently told the police that you'd done? Um, they said that I, my, my children, my two children, eight and nine. <laughs> that, that, um, that I'd um, sexually abused them. And I was selling them to people. They said by myself, but by, they'd named 60, 70, 80 people. And uh, they said um, that we're killing babies, of <laughs> shipping them in, and uh, we was cooking. Uh, we were, they, they were um, they were showing with their hand movements how I would get their hand on the on the knives, and we would cut the baby's neck, drain the blood, and then drink the blood. And um, I mean, just it's just horrific upon horrific. Uh, Detail. Was it abroad, you think, where your ex-partner and her new boyfriend filmed your children making these allegations, which yeah. were then uploaded onto the internet? Yeah. What, what they did, they beat my kids. Uh, they called licks, where you get a spoon and you hit the kid. I said a kid, it was in the 
in this instance, it was my two children. And uh, they were told to recount these allegations of what I'd done, or supposed to have done, as well as the, all these other people. All right, so this interview is one that many people who believe in the cult accusations say is damning to him and shows his guilt. So, I mean, that's subjective, though. And if you want to see for yourselves again, I'm going to keep beating that horse, too. The link's down below. <laughs> Watch all these videos. But although there is a lot of information on these allegations against Dearman, once Gabriel and Elisa stated the accusations were false and that their mom and her boyfriend forced them to say those things, more and more information came up. So this is getting onto the other side. It's been reported that once their mother, Ella, began dating Abraham Christie, she became less and less focused on the kids, and she ultimately revolved everything around him, around Abraham Christie. And there's been numerous accounts pertaining to Christie's background being spotty, filled with domestic violence and drug abuse. So it's definitely plausible that he did, in fact, abuse the kids in horrific ways in an attempt to force them to say the things that they did. And medical examinations proved, as I mentioned, it proved that both the kids had, in fact, been sodomized and showed signs of physical and sexual abuse. So if it was not their father, if it wasn't Ricky Dearman, it could have very well been Abraham Christie, inflicting the abuse on the kids and blaming it on Dearman as a way to show dominance and to try and ruin the life of him, essentially, for whatever reason, whether it was jealousy or he wanted to get back at him for, quote unquote, abusing his current girlfriend. I, we don't know. Right. But as twisted and as twisted and horrifying as that is, stuff like that does unfortunately happen. So now that we've heard both sides of the story, it's ultimately up to you to decide whether or not you believe the original allegations against Dearman were in fact the reality, or if it was actually a horrible, sickening plot conducted by their mother and her boyfriend to try and get back at Dearman for their deteriorated marriage, or whatever the reason was. We don't know. But either way you cut it, innocent children were abused, and the real monster who caused the abuse is still out there. So you got to keep that in mind. The sick bastard who sodomized whichever his kids one it is, yeah. is whichever one it is. Yeah, they're still out there. And whichever one it is, they deserve to be sodomized. Yeah. Just with a saying. Ball bat. So, yeah, maybe with some nails on the yeah. end. <laughs> uh, uh, I don't take kindly to child abusers. And the saddest part is one of the videos of Gabriel, you guys are only going to hear the audio, but in one of those videos, he has what they call panda eyes. Have you heard of that term, Hugh? Yeah, I know all about that. Yeah. Yep. And basically what that is, they have bruising around their eyes. And after a child is apparently sodomized, the capillaries around their eyes burst. And it gives them what looks like panda eyes. Yeah. He has that real bad in that video. And that's one of the videos where he's recounting to Abraham, you know, all these horrible satanic things that happen to him and how they chop up babies and they force him to eat the babies that's proof that he was abused and violently because that's not going to happen unless you were violently abused sexually. So that's what makes me hate pedophiles and makes me hate child abusers so much is how can you do that to a little child? You know, yeah. really, how can you? But with that being said, everybody, this is all the information that we have on the Hampstead sex cult, quote unquote. <laughs> that's the name I gave it. And we hope you can look into it on your own as well and decide what you think to be fact and what to be fiction because the links to everything mentioned in this episode, including the video footage I mentioned, the articles, they're all down below for reference. And 
you guys, it's really important to look into it further. Either way, if the dad's guilty or if the boyfriend's guilty, it does need to be looked into and looked into and investigated further because this is such a horrifying case. And you know, crap like this happens all the time and it goes yeah. unnoticed. So, I mean, that's the most hor- horrifying part of it is if this cult was in fact real, the father got away with it and he still has his kids. If it's yeah, not there, fake, there has been cults like this reported. I mean, oh, there has the, been. Like yeah. I said, the Epstein Island thing. Ugh, uh, yeah, that's more of a famous current one that's going on, and mm-hmm. that involves adrenochrome, which is, you know, uh, basically they kill babies or kids and take mm-hmm. the blood after you know they. It's like supercharged with the the kids' adrenaline. The I adrenaline, guess, and, yeah. And then they drink that. So, I mean, Ugh. that's kind of what this all sounds like. It sounds right. like an offshoot yeah. of that. They were cutting the, the babies up and draining the blood, and they said they caught it in a white bowl. Going back to Gabriel and Elisa here, they yeah. said they would catch it in a white bowl, and then they would each take a sip of the goblet or whatever. And yeah. it's like, that sounds a lot like what they're saying happens in uh, uh, current situations. So, child abuse needs to end. Pedophilia needs to end. Why people like that exist, it really pisses me off. And I, I, I'm sorry if I offend anybody. If you get offended by me saying that I don't like pedophiles or I don't like child abusers, you're a sick bastard. <laughs> That's that all right. I have to say. Yeah, I get real heated about this and I get real angry. So I'm sorry to all my, my listeners who support us and agree with us. Don't worry, I'm not yelling at you. But if there's anybody out there who defends pedophilia or defends child abuse, child molestation, child murder, anything like that, those people are disgusting. That's all I have to say. And I need to stop because I'll go on a tangent. <laughs> mm. Do you guys want to know which side I take? <laughs> Should I tell them, you? Yeah, go ahead. All right. All right. Initially, I wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly thought the father was guilty as hell. I thought he was guilty as hell. And... I mean, I still don't know. I'm still conflicted. <laughs> I'll be honest. But honestly, even after hearing it i don't i actually wonder if maybe the father didn't do anything like that i wonder if that boyfriend abraham christie if he was involved in that stuff and he was saying that the other guy did it because if you listen to abraham christie and you look at him you look at how he presents himself how he talks how he looks even i'm not saying judge a book by its cover but really look at him he looks like somebody who has had a very bad past with drugs, somebody who's very dependent on said drugs, and somebody who would very much be an abuser. Again, looks are deceiving, though. The father, on the other hand, Ricky Dearman, always looks very well-kept. He looks very clean, very well-put-together. That could be deceiving, too. You don't know. And, you know, based on the audio that I played from the interview with him, you can see how... I mean, you can't really see, you can hear it in his voice where he kind of stumbled over the words where he was like, the things that I did, I mean, I mean the things that they said I did. That's kind of damning. And his body language was almost damning too, where it said, oh, he's hiding something. His body language is hiding something. He's not really crying. He's wiping tears that aren't there. I agree with that. But then again, you also look at Abraham Christie and he has the same issues. They both just come off so guilty in different yeah. ways. Like, it, it's such a mind F to me. I don't know which side to choose. Originally, I thought the father for sure, hands down. And then I was questioning, oh, maybe it's Abraham Christie. Maybe it's the boyfriend. Because there's reports that apparently they would wake the kids up late at night, 
pour cold water on the kids or hot water, force them to say these things, keep them awake and basically torture these poor kids. The mom, Ella, and the boyfriend, Abraham, would torture the kids until they would admit of these alleged abuse by their father, when in fact it was probably Abraham Christie doing the abusing, sodomizing the kids, you know, and all the stuff he said. But I don't know, it all just seems so weird and so crazy that you really, in this case, you really don't know who is the guilty party. You really don't. So honestly, like right now, I don't know. No, I don't either. <laughs> That's the side I take. I the don't father know. Has, uh, he's got a plus sign on his side of the argument because the kids evidently like being around him. Right. Uh, but on the other side, and I can't stress this enough. Why didn't you I kill Abraham? If I was in that position and falsely accused. <laughs> yeah. I would go halfway around the world mm-hmm. to ball bet that son of a bitch. Yeah. And yeah. I'd do it, I mean, too. I'm not just saying I'd do it. I'd actually yeah. do it. Yeah. So, you know, it's hard to get a real definitive uh, answer either way just by guessing. Yeah, yeah the, the reason it made me change my mind, uh, you know, away from the father the first time and go towards Abraham Christie was one, his appearance, the way he would respond in his interviews. And then also seeing that surfaced uh, commercial from eBay, they both looked very healthy, very happy, comfortable yeah. around him. The son especially, which he was the one that was horribly abused. I mean, they both were, but he's the one that you can really see it in a lot of the video footage where they were alleging all the satanic abuse. He looks very happy to be around his father. And I mean, a lot of times kids express their discomfort very openly. Yep. You know, they're not able to hide it as much as adults can. So with that being said, it makes him look a lot less guilty, you know. And I mean, again, it could all just be for show. But at the same time, I don't even want to say who I could think it'd be and, you know, claim somebody to be guilty when we don't know. You know, we can only go off of what we assume or off of what the information that we're given. But we really at this point in time don't know. A lot of people and, you know, even the cops, they assume that Abraham Christie is, in fact, the abuser. But until that final day comes and they say that for sure the satanic cult was real, it's closed. And, you know, a lot of people need to, you know, protest it either way and say it needs to be reopened. Whether or not you believe in the satanic cult part or not, the kids being abused, any sexual or uh, physical abuse of children, any case like that should not be brushed under the rug it should always be investigated thoroughly so that's my point (laughs) long story short that's my point but that's about it for today everybody we just wanted to say please stay safe out there all of you and especially you parents if you're a parent out there be sure to keep your kids close because you really never know what kind of monsters are out there and they're all around us and that's the saddening part so just stay safe everybody and until next time take care Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Every day grab-and-go, every day giftable, every day fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification, and they're satisfying to scratch no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 3.21. 
Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Everyday grab-and-go, everyday giftable, everyday fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification. And they're satisfying to scratch, no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 3.21.